Let's pray. Oh God, just watching life transpire like that on the screen leaves us out of breath. It's the lives we are living in the fast lane of this culture, this nation, this planet. Any way you can help us, speak to us through ancient scripture. Engage our minds. Address our lives. We humbly pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to listen to a quieting poem written by the American poet Wendell Berry. The title, The Peace of Wild Things. I'm going to put it on the screen because poems, if you can see it while you're listening, it sure helps. So here's Wendell Berry, The Peace of Wild Things. When despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. Isn't that beautiful? Did you catch that last line? For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. I wish that were true about us Americans, don't you? Let me run the, let me run the numbers by you. Get a load of this. 70% of American adults report they obtain insufficient sleep at least one night a month. Only one night? <laughs> Here's another one. 11% report insufficient sleep every night. Now we're all there together. The National Institutes of Health predicts that America's sleep debt is on the rise and that by the middle of the 21st century, more than 100 million Americans will have difficulty falling asleep. Oh, boy. Presently, the cost to industry and medicine for sleep-deprived Americans stands at $63.2 billion per year of lost productivity. And I know what you're thinking up in the balcony. That's just about you poor adults in America. And since you brought it up and you're in the balcony, let's talk about teens, okay? Here we go. 73% of teens are getting less than the recommended 8 to 10 hours of sleep per night. You say 8 to 10 hours of sleep. I don't have to get 8 to 10 hours of sleep anymore. I'm a teen now. That's what you get when you're a kid. Oh, yeah, watch this. Teens need more sleep than they did as children because of the development spurt their bodies and minds are experiencing. Hey, keep watching, teens. Teens with short sleep. Okay, so that's a technical term. What's short sleep? 6.5 hours or less in bed a night. 
That's not lying on the floor with the, you know, AirPods. No, it's in bed, 6.5 hours or less a night. Teens with short sleep consume 12 extra grams of sugar each day. Now, why would they do that? Because when you're sleep deprived, your blood sugar's down and your body knows, get some sugar in me. And so where do teens turn? They turn to junk food, drinks, whatever, to wake themselves up. And watch, when you calculate it over a year, hold on, that's an extra 4.5 pounds of sugar every year for sleep-deprived teens, confirming the pediatric obesity crisis in America. Guess we're all sleep-deprived. Poor America. My, oh, my, massive sleep deprivation. What's that line from uh, Wendell Berry's poem? I rest in the grace of the world and am free. I'm thinking that's the perfect line for God's antidote to America's sleeplessness. Let's check it out. Come on, let's go. Grab your Bible, Genesis chapter 1. Let's go back to the creation story again. You got a Bible there? You got it on your uh, device? That's fine. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning. So six days of creation have now been completed. Yeah, we know the story. Genesis chapter 1. And we drop all the way down to the very end of chapter 1 in this book of beginnings. And here it is, verse 6. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Now, I want you to watch for something happening. Moses, who wrote this, he's going to use the, the two-word phrase, seventh day. He's going to use it three times. You count them. We're going, to, we're going to read it on the screen together. And every time that word seventh day appears, it appears in a sentence seven words in the Hebrew long. Seven words long, seventh day. This isn't just some little fly-by-night, oh, by the way, there's a seventh day. This is calculated to show the, the character of the seventh day. So, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast, vast array. Now you can count them. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. What's going on here? Something intentional has taken place. God will eventually call it, to borrow the Hebrew word for rest, Shabbat. It is the divine creation of Shabbat. Whoa, what's up with Shabbat? I'll show you what's up with Shabbat. I rest in the grace of the world and am free. When you think about Shabbat, I want to tell you, in the heart of it is not just rest, rest, sleep deprived as we are. It's about the rest of a relationship. Watch this. If our Creator wanted to uh, simply create a day at the end of every week so that you can catch up on all the sleep you missed in the previous six days, that would have been one thing. That's the way we celebrate Shabbat, by the way. It's a day to catch up. But no, 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 no. He has something in mind. Something in mind. I'm going to run three lines by you. First line I learned from, from a friend of mine, a 
a very bright physicist. He died just last year. His name is Clark Rowland. He taught me this years ago, and I've never forgotten the line. I'll put it on the screen for you, and you'll see why I haven't forgotten it. God is a being questing for friends. You want to know the truth about the Creator? He's a being questing for friends. He lives for that. He is that. This is the quintessence who he is. I'm a being questing for friends. Now, along comes the American novelist Reynolds Price, and he says, I'll put it this way for you. Well, he's probably right. The maker of all things loves and wants me. That's a line we've run by a few times, you and me. Both lines are teaching an eternal truth. Never forget this, because this is the core, this is the hard core, the soft core of the seventh day. Here's the truth. Relationship is what matters most to God. That's the deal. You want to know what matters most to God? It's relationship. So when he creates the planet in six days and he says, you know what, we need one more day, what do you suppose that one more day would be for? You guessed it, for relationship. God is a being questing for friends. I'm going to have a day, just the same length, 24 hours. It's not going to come at the beginning of the week. It's not going to come in the middle of the week. It's not going to come on the fifth day of the week. It's going to come on the seventh day of the week. I will have a day where they will learn the truth of me. I am a being questing, questing for friends. The maker of all things loves and wants me. Why? Because relationship is a huge deal to the being who created you and the being who created me. That's why. Oh. Norman Gully, a friend of mine, he actually, I was a kid growing up in Japan, and he was teaching at the college in Japan. He's written this systematic theology, three volumes so far, and this is volume number two, and it's, and it's uh, titled Creation, Christ, and Salvation. So my friend Norman Gully, picking up on this relational reality of the Sabbath, His words now on the screen. God created humans to enjoy a reciprocal love relationship with the Trinity as experienced in the inner history or communion among the persons of the Trinity. Oh, I like that. Keep reading. What an awesome privilege, Norm writes. Their first full day of life, think about it, the first full 24-hour period they ever had on this planet home of theirs, their first full day of life was lived in sacred communion with their creator, the pre-incarnate Christ. If the Sabbath was necessary before the fall, how much more it is needed throughout human history after the fall? Come on. It's not a little throwaway. Well, we don't need it anymore. Rubbish. God is a being questing for friends. Why would he ever get rid of a day in which he can go deep, 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 deeper, deeper? Come on, girl, come here. Come on, boy, come here. We're going deeper today, deeper, deeper. Why would he get rid of the day for the human race when this day shows us that the maker of all things loves and wants me? (laughs) Oh, my, 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 my. And here's, here's why this point is such a big deal and why I'm standing up here today. I believe that if you and I can grasp this, I mean, if we really get it, not just, oh, okay, 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 yeah, yeah, I got that. Next. No. If we, if we go deep with this thought, if we grasp this, I believe that the, the, the experiential significance of the Sabbath, the, the existential significance of the Sabbath, which is 
Relationship is what matters most to God. I believe that truth, that significance, suddenly makes simple this idea of you and me on the seventh day of every week of our life forever. It makes all the sense in the world for you and me to discover how on this day to go deeper. And by the way, what it's obviously saying to us is that this is, this is not going to be trouble. This is not going to be a burden. Are you kidding? This is a gift. Oh, come on. I know the Ten Commandments like you do. Sure, I do. I know how the Fourth Commandment begins. Everybody knows how the Fourth Commandment begins. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Yeah, I know that. Oh, and I know I have a lot of friends in the evangelical community that say, you know what? Uh, this idea of the Seventh-day Sabbath, that's, 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 that's a vestige of ancient legalism, and we don't do it anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, vestige, no longer necessary. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I suppose you shall not kill is also a vestige of ancient legalism, and we don't do it anymore. Oh, no, 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 you don't, we don't kill. Well, how about steal? No, 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 we don't steal. Well, how about bear false witness? No, we don't bear false witness. How about dishonoring my mommy and my daddy? No, you can't do that. It's, the, it's, it's against the Ten Commandments. Well, listen, my friend, you're telling me that nine out of the Ten Commandments are not legalistic if you do them, but if you do one of them, it's legalistic? Give me a break. What kind of silly game is this? Who came up with it? Are you making the rules? Or is this book making the rules? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, especially when I remember that the finger of the being who brought me into existence, once upon a long ago time, that finger reached out of a fiery light, and that finger began to carve on tablets of granite the Decalogue, and he carved the words, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. <laughs> it's not legalism at all. It's coming to know this being who is questing for friends, the maker of all things who loves and wants me. <laughs> all ten are a gift because he loves and wants me, the fourth one included. That's not rocket science. That's Holy Scripture. What's the big deal? The big deal is relationship is what matters most to God. That's the core. That's the quintessence of God's character. Which is why he made a day accentuating our relationship with our Creator, and he made sure it would come at the end of every single week, perpetually for the rest of time, from the beginning of time to the end of time. Has time ended yet? Nope. So then it's still in force. It never ends. As long as there's a seven-day week, it will end with Shabbat. And that's the Creator saying, come on, you and me. We go deeper today. You and me. Just you and me. Whoa. And, and, and as if to prove it. You get out the old King James Version, and you read the Apocalypse, the Bible's last book. This line is in Revelation, and I love it in the old King James. So here it is. Without apology, we're going to read some old Shakespearean English. Here we go. Thou art worthy, O Lord. By the way, God is sitting on a throne at this moment. He's surrounded by these living creatures and 24 elders. I mean, and, and the whole all of heaven. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. So there's singing now. They're singing to the Creator. Thou hast created all things, and for thy, and I put the line there, for thy pleasure, they are and were created for your pleasure. Can you believe it? 
Did it ever occur to you that God enjoys you for the sheer pleasure of knowing you? You see, we all, we, we've all thought it's the other way around. No, I'm created. You were created so that we can have the sheer pleasure of knowing Him. God says, no, it's the other way around. For my pleasure, I wanted you. You got born because I chose you. You got born into this life because I called for you. It's my pleasure to have you. Listen, this day is created for God to connect with us so that his pleasure might be realized and our pleasure might be fulfilled. What's wrong with that? You got a problem with that? No, oh God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power for you have created all things and for your pleasure they are and were created. My, my. A.W. Tozer, who wrote that 70 years ago, runaway bestseller for evangelical America, The Pursuit of God. You come to House of Prayer on Wednesday nights. We just started a journey through it. You can only come through Zoom, but if you're serious about coming, you just call us and you give us an email address and your name. And we'll send you the link. We're going through the book right now. This is dynamite. Look at this. A.W. Tozer. God formed us for his pleasure and so formed us that we, as well as he, can in divine communion, oh, I love this, enjoy the sweet and mysterious mingling of kindred personalities. Isn't that good? Keep reading. He meant us to see him and live with him and draw our life from his smile. Beautiful. To me, this is the, this is the heart of the raison d'etre for this seventh-day Sabbath. He means us to see him and to live with him and to draw our life from his smile. We're not talking about bad news here, folks. We're talking about the best news the human race can possibly have, and that is God wanted you, and that's why you're alive right now, and he has a way to meet you perpetually the seventh day of every week for the rest of your life. What's, what's, what's bad news about that? Not a thing. In fact, I want you to hear God say this to you. I never knew this till this week. This is something else. Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ, who is the creator, is talking to one of his closest friends he's ever had. It's a man named Moses. They're in deep conversation. And, and Christ says to him, I want to remind you about creation. So this is not Genesis now. This is a whole other picture. Watch this. He says, Moses, I want to remind you about creation, how it affected me. Okay, let's take a look. Exodus 31, verse 17. He's speaking to Moses. The Sabbath will be a sign. Every perpetual seventh day, the Sabbath will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. Ah, ha, ha, ha. See, see, I've told you, Sabbath is made for the Jews. Well, you're, you're contradicting the Lord himself. He said the Sabbath was made for man. I mean, if, the Sabbath, if that means the Sabbath was made for, for the Jews, then wo- when he says the woman is made for man, she was made only for Jews. And nobody here believes that. I don't think. Right? But that's how, uh, that's how we can be. Israelites, you have a problem with that? Paul comes along in Galatians chapter 6, and he calls every Christian an Israelite. This is the children of Israel. We are the children of Israel. Well, who are you talking about, Paul? I'm talking about the Christian church. That's who I'm talking about. There's no question in the New Testament. Israel now is through the church. It's still literal Israel, real live Jews. But the church is to be the Israelites of God. 
I don't have a problem with him saying, I made this for everybody. That's what he's saying, for everybody. The Sabbath will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, he rested. And now he's adding something that's not in the creation story. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. I got to tell you about that word, refreshed. We cannot, we cannot conclude that somehow it was so taxing for the creator to do six, six days. I can't, six days I've been at this? I am worn. I am worn. I never thought making humans would be so tiring. That can't be it. He's, ref- he's rested and refreshed. And Robert Alter, we looked at him last week, this one man interpreter of the Hebrew Bible. Robert Alter calls this word a flagrant anthropomorphism. In other words, he says, this, this is unusual to use this word on God because this is a very human-esque kind of word. And Alter renders it, God caught his breath. And Alter says, the reason I'm doing that here is because in chapter 23, when the Israelites came to the Sabbath, it says they caught their breath. And it's the same word there. So I want it to be the same word here. And God caught his breath. It's almost like God, when he comes to the Sabbath, God says, hey, hey, guys, let's catch our breath together. But it cannot be that God's worn out. It cannot be that he says, I need some rest, please. How about you? No. Something else is going on here. And by the way, it can also, it cannot be that God is so proud of what he's done in creating the world that he just wants to, he wants to glow over it because he's already done that in the sixth, sixth day. And by the way, don't be hard on God. You do that. You make a little something that you watched on, uh, watched on YouTube and you saw the little pattern and you saw it. You are so proud. You're showing everybody. A little recipe that you got on some um, internet site, you make it, you hand it out to everybody. Hey, I made this. When you make something, you're naturally proud. That's not an evil pride. God was proud. This is this is really good. Did I do it? Yeah, you did. So it can't be that that's what he's that's what it what it means when he's refreshing himself. Yeah. By the way, Karen and I, Karen, Karen and I, over the holiday, we had a week of a little holiday break, and so my Christmas gift from Karen was a backup camera. For my old Camry. I've just been wishing and wishing. Why didn't the car come with one? Uh, so she bought it for me. The problem is we had to install it. So we took seven hours. She's sitting on the front row. I cannot lie. We took seven hours over two days. And she's Miss DIY. She's the teen in our family. So now she says, Dwight, 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 look, 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 look at the screen, Dwight. No, 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 you don't, no, no. Do, do this, 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 this. Seven hours to put it in. And by the way, we're still married. <laughs> we actually, we, we, yeah, thank you. Uh, you thought that was a big feat. Uh, we, we had fun doing it. I'm telling you the truth. We had fun. It was something we had just uniquely us. And we're both brainless when it comes to technology. So that's why it was so fun. So it's okay for God to say, hey, yo, this is, a, this, this, this is really good. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. But it can't be that. He already did that on the sixth day. So what's going on here? I'll tell you what's going on. Why is he being refreshed? He's being refreshed because on the seventh day, this brand new human race, he becomes one to one with them in a relationship he's never had before with them. Remember, we just found out from, from uh, Norman Gulley, the, the, their first 24-hour, full 24-hour day was with the Creator. 
It's because of a relationship. He said, ah, he said, this, this is what they were made for. This is what I am. And now we're together. Oh, no. God was refreshed. You know why? Because the maker of all things loves and wants me. You know why? Because God is a being questing for friends. Do you know why? Because relationship is what matters most to our creator. The Shabbat is to celebrate perpetually forever the day the creator and us became one human race with God. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. Oh, wow. Yeah. Amen, indeed. These ancient words from creation uh, do remind us of Augustine. And everybody gets excited about the last half of Augustine's uh, Augustine, as we should say, uh, uh, sentence. But you know that you, you, you've read these words many times. Thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till they find rest in thee. Now, for a sleep-deprived, restless America, this is great, because this says our restlessness can be met by a fresh rest in God. But we forget that the, there's the first part of the sentence. You have formed us for yourself. By the way, for your pleasure, you have formed us. We were made for the pleasure of Almighty God. And that's why your heart skips a beat when you realize Jesus is in the room with you. The Holy Spirit does a little something to you, and you're not the same, and you realize, whoa, what's happening here? Because you were made for that. You were made to connect with your Creator. And every seventh day, perpetually, forever and ever into the future, that will be you and the Creator's day. Why would anybody say, oh, we don't like it? And by the way, you say, oh, no, there's something about it being changed. The Creator, when he was here, never breathed a word. It's amazing to me that if he was going to undo everything he had done in finger, in granite, over and over and over again, he would at least said something while he was here. Oops, I forgot. I was supposed to tell them. There's nothing there. You take three texts and work them and work them and work them and work them until they fit what you want. You can't do it. You cannot do it. Not America. Not evangelicals in America. Nobody can do it. It's his finger. Maybe this, 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 this ancient uh, creed is correct. This is uh, the shorter catechism of the Westminster Creed. Question, what is the chief end or goal of man? Answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I love that. Glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's why you were made. That's why I was made. Enjoy him forever. What a God. And we thought this was bad news. This is not bad news. This is the greatest news you've ever heard. We'll always have a day together, boy. Girl, we'll always have a day together. Yeah. No wonder the psalmist, when, when, when they want to express their, 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 their adoration of God, they, have, they want to glorify God, look how the psalmist do it. Psalm 73, oh boy, take a look at this. Asaph is the psalmist in this, uh, in this text. Psalm 73, and I want you to get these verses because uh, you're going to look this up. It's verses 25 and 26. This is beautiful. Whom have I in heaven but you and earth? has nothing I desire besides you. 
My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God, I'm talking to you. I'm talking about you. This is the way people live. It's okay to be excited about a passion for God. You were made for this. I'm going to tell you a story. When our little daughter, little, I always call her little, when our daughter Kristen got married to the young man she fell in love with, they were way too young. She was 18, he was 19. But they were, they, they were intent. They were just very intent. Hey, we, we're getting married. They didn't have to get married, by the way. And by the other way, they've been happily married for 17 years now. So. But when it came time, I, I had a hard time with it. I'll I, just be honest with you. It was a hard time for me. I, I, I said, man, I'm losing my little girl, but not at 18 is too young to lose her. I, I can lose her at 25 or what, but No. It was a beautiful wedding. I stood right here. Karen stood beside me. I preached the homily to the, my daughter and her new husband-to-be. And it was a long day. I mean, we had the reception over at Chanshung, and family out of town had come, so we're late into the night, early Monday morning, okay? So it was a Sunday. Early Monday morning. My, ch- my heart is churning inside of me. I'm just trying to come to grips with what has happened. And I make my way down to where I have worship every morning. And I open my Bible up because I read a psalm a day like I have told you. And wouldn't you know it, Psalm 73 is the reading for the day after my little girl's marriage, wedding. And I start reading those words that are on the screen. It was like an epiphany. It was like, it was like God showed up in that little space. And he said to me, hey, I know how you're feeling. Been there and done that. Come on, Dad. You knew she was going to leave sometime. But it hurts. But I want to tell you something, boy. Listen to me carefully. I will never, ever leave you. I am with you forever. Just reading those two lines, and it was as if the Creator Himself said, hey, you'll make it. I'm with you. Oh, whom have I in heaven but you and the earth? There's nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Yeah. I believe the timeless message of our Creator when we come to every seventh day is that message. When you enter the Sabbath hours, He may say to you, girl, boy, you may have lost everything you loved this week. You may have lost what you wanted this week. You may have lost the dearest person on earth to you this week, and several of you in this parish have heard him say that on this Sabbath because you lost your life. 
But then he says to you, but I'm here to tell you, you have me. And I will never leave you. Never. We were made for each other. Do you understand that? You see, the deal is, I'm convinced that if you and I will grasp the rich significance of the seventh-day Sabbath and see its passionate relational heart, which is the heart cry of the Creator, I just, I, I have to have time with you now. If we will grasp that, it'll be a joy to find fresh ways that we can spend these 24 hours together. It's not like, i got to do this. No, I'm with you. If we will shift the paradigm, the Sabbath takes on a whole new meaning. And that's what I want for you. And that's what I want for me and for this campus. That's what we need, a paradigm shift. You know why? Because the Sabbath is all about Jesus. That's why. Listen to me now. I want to tell you something about Jesus. John 1, Colossians 1. Hebrews 1, those three great first chapters of these three giant books of the New Testament declare that the Jesus of Nazareth that the Gospels kept telling stories, have kept telling stories about, is none other than the almighty creator, God of this universe, who came down and became flesh, five fingers on each hand, five toes on each foot, and he came down here. And on Good Friday, which, by the way, was an awful Friday 2,000 years ago, the creator of the human race watched as the creatures he created kill him. Kill him. I want to tell you something. There are, th there are three startling parallels. And I hope you never forget these as we end right here. Three startling parallels between creation and Calvary. Watch this. Watch this. Same being. Watch this. All right? Write these down in your heart and never forget. Number Startling parallel number one between creation and Calvary. Calvary. The same being in both makes the same declaration on the same day, the sixth day, at creation, he cried out, this is very good. And on Calvary, his cry was, it is finished, for his work was done in both creation and Calvary on the sixth day. Finished. Startling parallel number two, the same being in creation and Calvary rested on the same seventh-day Sabbath. In the Garden of Eden, Christ was the Lord of the Sabbath. And in the Garden Tomb, Christ was the Lord of salvation. He is one and the same. And startling parallel number three, the same being did it all for the same reason, because he loves you and wants you. And that's the gospel truth. My God, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. 
My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever, to which every Sabbath let us all say amen Amen. and amen. amen. Oh, God. What can we say? Did you really love us that much? To create us? And then to recreate us at Calvary? This is your pleasure? This is why you exist? This is what you live for? By God, forgive us for what we thought about your seventh day, Shabbat. And know our hearts, please. Know our hearts. We want to meet you and go deeper with you every seventh day, perpetually, to the end of time. That's what we want. Because that's what you want. In the name of our Creator who made us and gave up his life for us and rose for us. In the name of our Creator. Amen.